For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands Of a God who never sleeps Fear not, little lamb For the kingdom belongs to his sheep in the hands of a God who never sleeps. Hey, and welcome back to Tending Lambs. I'm Katie. I'm Abby. And today's episode is on setting your kids up for success. Some practical tips, why it's important, and uh, yeah, how you can do this in your everyday life. So since we can't cover all of the things uh, that this topic could touch, we will try and highlight a few of the most, um, the most popular scenarios, the most common scenarios, and uh, then point you in the direction of some resources for more specific advice. Yeah, I am personally excited about this one because as I've learned so much about child development, it's like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I see this all over social media now, especially like you expected your three-year-old to do what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm really excited for this episode because I think, um, I think, I hope it'll be helpful. And um, yeah, I hope it encourages people to learn more about where their child is at developmentally if, if they don't really know right now. Yeah. And because we want this episode to be as practical as possible, we reached out into our, um, well, Abby reached out into the uh, Tending Lambs Facebook group, and we got some really good responses with some practical help from uh, everyday situations that people go through. So, um, yeah, so hopefully it's helpful. Yeah. Okay, so to start, I think it's important that we clarify what does it mean uh, to set your kids up for success. Um, setting your kids up for success means to the best of your ability and within reason, um, choosing situations that don't push your child uh, beyond their natural limits or abilities. Um, not in a, hey, you can, you can do it kind of way, but more of a, uh, if it's nap time, it's probably not a good time to go visit a friend. Uh, yeah. That is not setting your kid up for success. But things like uh, making sure you have steady uh, nap times every day or making sure they're fed, those types of things are uh, setting them up for success. So let's go over some scenarios um, that are kind of common that at least we've seen and people in our group have seen about um, inappropriate expectations for a child's age and development. One situation I see frequently is uh, parents who expect their two or three-year-old or four-year-old even or five-year-old to sit perfectly through a church service. Um, maybe they don't put their kid in nursery or children's church for, you know, whatever personal family reasons, you know, which is understandable. And if that's their conviction, that's fine. Uh, but expecting them to then sit through the service uh, or sit still 
for the entire length of a church service, which I will be the first to admit that I cannot even do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes Um, twitchy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, you know, a little wiggly, a little chit chatty, a little giggly. Um, Yeah. I, I think that's just, that's not an accomplishable goal. And so kind of setting up this dichotomy of if you don't do this, then you will receive a consequence or discipline or punishment. Um, You're just kind of honestly setting them up for failure because they're not going to be able to accomplish what you're asking them to do. One thing I admire is, you know, you do want to worship together as a family. And I am right there with you on that one. I think that's really important. But I think part of worshiping together as a family when you have young children is practicing, just practicing as as much as they seem to be able to handle. Maybe they can be in there for a couple songs. Uh, That's where we're at right now with my one-year-old. She can usually enjoy the music and then sit through a couple minutes of the sermon and announcements uh, before she's ready to take a hike. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, I think encouraging them to sit in the service if that's what your family decides you want to do is perfectly fine. I think the problem lies in this expectation of sitting still through the whole thing or else you will be in trouble. Yeah. And I think there's this this expectation from a lot of parents that kids just basically um, are supposed to do whatever the parents want. They're supposed to behave however the parents want. They're supposed mm-hmm. to uh, do all of the things, you know, go all of the places um, wherever the parent wants. And, you know, I don't know any parent that's like always completely unreasonable, but mm-hmm. I do recognize, I do see a a pretty big pattern of parents expecting way too much of their kids and mm-hmm. it, and church is one of the examples but also just simply um if there happens to be a time when they're out at at now time or they have forgotten snacks or they don't have water or whatever um an expectation that the kid just be okay with okay. it. Yes, exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Just to be okay with it. Yeah. Um, and that, that's another way you can not set your kid up for success and is to, in those scenarios where you have to be uh, out at an inconvenient time or doing something that's particularly difficult for them, uh, to expect them to be, uh, okay. to, have, yeah. to be okay and to just have the response of an adult. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, big one of the biggest example I thought of uh, was timeout. That is like the epitome of, (laughs) to me, setting your kid up to fail. Because usually the practice goes, okay, you're three years old, you need to sit still and not talk and think about what you did for three minutes. A three-year-old cannot sit still and think about what they did for three minutes. Like, they just can't. And so what happens? They don't sit still, so their three minutes start over. Well, now that's just, like, insult on injury. You know, like, they, if they can't do it in the first place, now they certainly can't do it because right. they already tried for a couple minutes and their ability to sit still is over. You know, at, treating a child like... They just need to, kind of what you were saying, act like however the parent wants 100% of the time, no matter the circumstances, um, as if they're teaching kids how to act like an adult by forcing them into all sorts of 
overwhelming situations and then threatening them if they don't comply, that that's not setting them up to be a successful adult at all by treating them like an adult when they're a child. Right. I think that's the biggest point is like com- the, the one of the biggest ways and all of these practical examples come back to uh, to this. One of the biggest ways that you can cut off your children's success at the knees is by having expecting them to act like an adult or to act super reasonably and all of these things in a situation where it's just beyond their control right you know you the success of your child in and what i mean by that what we mean by that is their success in uh, obeying you their success in uh, following directions or in acting kindly in uh, behaving so in socially appropriate ways, um, their success in those endeavors is undermined by, uh, by this weird expectation that they should be able to do that without any help. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So another example would be not baby proofing. And it, that may seem silly, but it's absolutely true. If you just expect your child to learn what they can or can't touch and to practice self-control that way because they will punish, you will punish them when they do touch. That's a really, um, that's a really common way that people uh, set their kids up for failure. If you put a, uh, a super shiny, new, cool object in front of a little kid and then expect them to out of sheer obedience, and I'm thinking of a two or three year old here, out of sheer obedience, uh, just ooh and ah at it, but not touch it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that might happen occasionally. You might get lucky, you might get a, a kid uh, that's particularly compliant, or you might get uh, a situation where they just don't touch the shiny thing. But generally yeah. speaking, that's an unreasonable expectation. And then yeah. to place that burden of responsibility on them just makes it so much heavier. And uh, in a lot of scenarios like this, failure on their part is inevitable. And yeah. there are ways that you can help them succeed. You know, I've actually seen this example quite a bit, even among people who I wouldn't consider like really punitive or whatever. They, you know, maybe, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with spanking or agree with spanking, but I think it should be reserved when like for when a kid is about to reach for an outlet or something like that. That's one I've heard several times. Like you need a smack on the hand for when they're reaching for an outlet. And I just have so many questions about that scenario. (laughs) Like why is the outlet not covered (laughs) to begin with? Um, that that is like I feel like the perfect example of setting your kid up for success is like cover your outlets. Your right. outlet literally has a little circle that is the size of their finger, and that is extremely fascinating. Yeah, and that's the thing. Whether you are punitive or you're a gentle parenter, and even on the gentle parenting end of the spectrum, you have people that are uh, are a bit more strict. You have people that are a bit more loosey goosey. Wherever you are on this spectrum, we all have expectations of our kids that we want them to succeed in. You know, mm-hmm. I think of it in a way. Uh, 
almost like I used to audition for musicals and I used to compete and things. And I was always so, so nervous. And someone told me one time that the judges want me to succeed, that Mm -hmm. they don't want me to fail. They don't want, they're not sitting there like hoping that I fail so they can laugh at me. And I think of that with our kids. Like we have tasks, we have things that we want them to succeed in. We want them to become successful adults. And uh, doing things like pushing them past their limits as far as sleep goes, you know, pushing them way past bedtime and then expecting them to act reasonably when they can't have ice cream or something like that. You know, that is, it's almost like putting a broom in front of somebody who's trying to walk you know, that you are actively impeding their success and the things that you want them to succeed in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think another example of that that maybe is less obvious is putting a responsibility on your child that is yours. So an example I've seen of that is leaving food out within their reach and then they're unsupervised and you didn't want them to eat it and they ate it and it's like, well, how do what do I do? And it's like, you don't do anything. You left the food out for them to eat. Like a four-year-old the consequence for that one because you don't have any brownies left now. <laughs> exactly. A four-year-old is going to go for that brownie. The temptation of that brownie is way too heavy for you know a four-year-old at that moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they could reach it, and they were unsupervised. You yeah. know, especially in scenarios where maybe it's not clear, like you didn't clearly state to not eat those brownies, even though they're within your reach. (laughs) Right. Like, honestly, I feel like if you're saying that, just move the brownies. And if you're not saying that, then your child didn't understand your expectation. Well, that didn't understand or just was not thinking about it at all. Right. (laughs) Because the brownie. (laughs) Is there, yeah. Exactly. Um, So... Here's a note on uh, age-appropriate expectations. Um, I don't actually like the term age-appropriate because it depends so much more on their development than age. Uh, Each child is so different. So developmentally appropriate expectations is a much better way to think about this. Yeah, that will vary so much from child to child. Children just develop at different rates. You know, my daughter is a lot more verbal than she is physically active. Um, So as she becomes more verbal, um, they can be encouraged to use words or signs more instead of screeches (laughs) to communicate what they need. That's a developmentally appropriate expectation. Mm -hmm. Um, As they grow out of that, everything goes in the mouth stage. You don't have to be so careful about not leaving every tiny little object on the floor. Um, You know, things like that. As they drop naps, um, usually they can spend more happy time outside of the house without you having to expect meltdowns or things like that as long as other needs are met. Right. So another thing to remember as you're thinking through this is that it's perfectly normal for your child to be able to do something one day and then not the next. So like with the brownie example, um, a child may have a a four-year-old or five-year-old may have the self-control in a moment when they see those brownies. Uh, That doesn't mean it's going to be there the next day. I mean, that's, that holds true for me. <clears throat> yeah. 
you know, when I make it through a day of, you know, when I, I'll ask Cornet, like, oh, please just tell me I can go get ice cream. I'm like really craving ice cream right now. And he's like, no, mm-hmm. hold, you know, you're good. You can do this, make it to bedtime and you'll be home free. And I make it through one night and that's really great. But that doesn't mean the next day I'm going to have the same willpower, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, or, you know, I think like, yeah, that's so true of children and adults. Like growth and self-control is not linear. Some days it's harder than others for us, depending on our circumstances. Right. And how much more does underdeveloped self-control influence that? Self-control is something that is, uh, you know, it, it changes depending on where you are developmentally, biologically, but mm-hmm. also emotionally. It's an emotionally mm-hmm. developmental process. Uh, it's it's not either or, it's both. And yeah. so, you know, it's something that kids have to develop. You know, it's not something that we can just impose on them. Yeah. You know, I see this a lot with potty training. Um, a lot of times kids have um, regressions with potty training. Mm-hmm. Um, however, a parent decides to enforce that. Um so maybe when they used the potty yesterday or last week, they had slept all night and they felt well nourished and they had just woken up from a nap and they had their love tank full because daddy was home and it was Saturday or whatever. The situation is so different and there's no way to pinpoint exactly why because like you were saying, we're human. Like the way that we feel today is different than how we felt yesterday, how we were yesterday, how our physical state was uh in a different time so um i just think the situations vary so much just because they are unique little people um and it actually reminds me like when i was in college algebra um and i was really struggling through that class i would kind of feel like i had a concept down because i had gotten one equation right um i would solve the problem accurately and be like yes i'm finally getting it But then I would move on to the next problem using the same concept and I couldn't get it for some reason. Mm. And it's like, what changed? The way to accomplish the problem didn't change. What changed was the circumstance. Mm. I was working with a new set of numbers that were different than what I was working with when I was succeeding. Um, So for whatever reason, my brain connected the concept with that set of numbers that I succeeded with but it wasn't connecting the concept with this new set of numbers. Um, And I think that's that's just a good example of maybe how you can view your child's growth. Like you know that in some circumstances they are able to accomplish what you're asking them to, but that doesn't mean that they're going to nail it every single time. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it's always something that you shouldn't ask for. Right. It just, it's how you approach the asking and then the expectation. Mm-hmm. If you're expecting 100% compliance. Um, you're going to be really, really disappointed often. Mm-hmm. But if you are viewing this as like the name of this, um, this episode, setting your kids up for success, if you're viewing this as a joint endeavor that you're embarking on with your kid that you're helping them with this and you're asking them to do something and you're wanting to help them accomplish it, you're going to have a much better time. 
So on that note, let's talk about some practical ways that we can set our kids up for success. Yeah. One of the ways is a really easy little acronym here. It's check for HALT. H-A-L-T. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. These are the four biggest reasons that a task cannot be accomplished. Somebody's hungry. When I've been out and I've forgotten to eat lunch or what it, whatever, and I start getting, you know, grumbly tummy, uh, I also start getting grumbly. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm angry for whatever reason, it, it, I could have been triggered by something I saw on the internet or by a person yelling in the grocery store. I could, you know, for whatever the reason, if I'm upset, um, that is one of the, even more than just being like hangry, like physical reasons. If I'm emotionally upset already, I'm really short with Mm -hmm. people around me. Um, You know, I think a good example of that is I see a lot of parents who tell their child no and the child gets upset or angry about that no. And then the parent expects immediate compliance with whatever the next thing is after that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're, you need to deal with the disappointment of the fact that you're, you just told your child no and they're upset about that yeah. before you set up this expectation of immediate compliance with whatever comes next. Yeah. The next two are lonely. That one's a big one. Uh, if a kid's feeling their love tank is low, if they've missed dad at work, uh, if they, if mom's usually, if mom usually stays at home, but she's been gone for the weekend for a conference, uh, you know, all sorts of things can can set that one off. Um, and another big one for me personally is when you're tired. Mm-hmm. I'm real short and not very patient when I'm tired. Yeah. So check for those things. And so that's a, a good place to start. Yeah. Another one is um, ask yourself if what you're asking of them is their responsibility or yours. Mm-hmm. So a good example of this is, you know, if I'm outside, my daughter loves her water table um, that we have outside. And if I'm out there playing with her with that uh, and I have somewhere to go that evening, it is my responsibility to make sure that my clothes don't get wet, that my makeup doesn't get messed up uh, by her splashing in the water. It's not her responsibility. I'm not going to approach her water table and say, hey, I'm going to play with you in this water table, but you can't get me wet. Right. That's not a fair expectation. It's my responsibility to either not play with her or be careful in the way that I play with her or just have the expectation that I'm going to have to change and redo my makeup. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that can also go for different situations like, uh, buying kids toys that are dangerous and, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, not setting proper parameters around them and then expecting them to um, not break something. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you're, if you buy them a baseball bat and a baseball, uh, you know, and they're playing with it in the living room, you know, you have to enforce that. You can't you know, just yeah. yell from the kitchen, hey, you know, are you playing with that baseball bat in there? You know, after they've been playing with it for 20 minutes already, you know, like... It, you can't expect them to be a 30-year-old man, you know, mm-hmm. like that's in right. there that knows, okay, I should not be playing with this right now. Right. Yeah. Another big one is knowing your child's triggers for meltdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I want to just add a caveat that what this does not mean is avoiding things that you need to say or do just because of your child's emotional response. That would be very permissive. Um, so, you know, sometimes we have to do things that they don't like and we need to allow them to have their emotions about that, but that doesn't mean we don't do it. Um, so for instance, my daughter gets upset when her daddy leaves for work. Um, but does that mean he just doesn't leave for work? No, of course not. He has to leave for work. Um, so what I do is I just make sure that he says goodbye to her and gives her lots of kisses and hugs. And then I don't plan anything for five or 10 or 15 minutes after he leaves for work. My intention is solely on her. I have a snack ready. I'm ready to comfort her or I have some of her favorite toys available to play with uh, as soon as he walks out. I'm prepared to deal with that situation because I know that that's a trigger for her. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, another one is making your expectations clear ahead of time. So this is difficult for someone like me or Abby who have very little littles that aren't really verbal yet. Um, but they're learning how to be. <laughs> um, but for your older kids, making your expectations clear ahead of time and uh, what will happen if follow through doesn't happen. So uh, just as a matter of fact, not threatening. So um, like saying, hey, we're going to be leaving at this time. You know, you've got, you've got 15 minutes, you've got 10 minutes. Uh, and saying, hey, if you come now, you're able to... Uh, choose what clothes you want to wear for example mm -hmm. but if we if you push it to the last minute i'm gonna have to choose for you because we can't sit there and 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 make all these choices you know at that time i'm gonna mm -hmm. have to go ahead and make that choice for you that's letting them know what's going to happen it's mm -hmm. not a threat it's not a uh a punishment it's just a, a reminder hey get in there so you can choose your clothes i'm sorry i'm gonna and then you know letting them know um uh, yeah, I think I think a big one for people is grocery shopping. So I think making your expectations about how they, you know, need to behave in the grocery store ahead of time. Like, hey, I'm going to let you guys walk around and help me pick things off my list from the shelves. You know, maybe you can even pick between two different brands of macaroni or whatever. But um, I need you to not touch things or pull things off the shelf that we don't need in our cart. And if you can't oblige by that, I'm going to need to put you in the cart so that, you know, we can, we can get in and out of the grocery store. That's not a threatening thing. It's just letting your child know. And then when you have to follow through on it, they probably won't be happy, but they at least knew what to expect. Right. So something Carissa said, who is a, uh, one of our bloggers, and we love having her around. Um, she said that it's good to take into account what else is going on with the child, too. So this morning that she wrote this, uh, she had decided not to go uh, to the library for playtime uh, because her son had had a rough night and an early morning. So he, uh, she knew that he would probably not do very well. So that was a really good example of just knowing that's too much. That's a situation that you shouldn't go into because it's not going to go well and success is not likely to be possible. Yeah, I like what she said about um, asking things clearly and positively instead of negatively. So saying what you want them to do rather than what you don't want them to do. Please sit versus don't stand in your chair. 
Uh, Carissa also said that she uses humor when it's appropriate and possible. So silly tones, uh, racing them, having a toy, ask them to do something, things like that. Things to bring a little levity into the situation. Yeah, I don't think that can be uh, underestimated as far as communicating with our kids. Bringing fun into the directions, I think, makes it seem a lot less threatening coming from an adult. Yeah. Um, when it's a little more on their level. Yeah. That's a good one. That's also, it's one that has proven really true already with Calvin. Um, Same here. Like super, super true. And not so much in a moment where he's already tantruming or he's really obviously upset. That's, you know, at that point you've just got to kind of let him, let him get through it. Um, But, you know, if I know something is going to, be a little fussy. It's going to cause a little, uh, you know, I don't, he's not going to want to do it. Uh, I'll approach it immediately with, with some humor with chasing him or with, you Mm -hmm. know, scooping him up and tickling him or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's helped us a lot with diaper changes actually. Um, Evie has really taken to her lovey. She really loves her lovey. It's started going, we've gotten to the age where it kind of goes everywhere with us, which is Aww. a lot of fun. <laughs> so and it's really cute. It, it It's cute, except I made the mistake of only buying one. And so the one like is starting to get a little grimy. Oh, yeah. But anyway, that's a non sequitur. <laughs> so tip to parents, buy like seven of whatever your child is going to latch on to. Um, I've started diaper changes are a real struggle for us. So I've started using lovey to say like, it's time to change your diaper now, you know, and waving to her and just giving her that to hold on to while we change diapers. And that that's actually been hugely successful. So mm-hmm. yeah, well, actually uh, on that note, diaper changes are <clears throat> pretty, a pretty big one in our house too. Uh, he hates them. And occasionally he'll be okay with it if he wakes up from nap in a really good mood for some reason or whatever. But um, he has actually come to expect now that I reach down, I open the drawer and I pull him out something random. Uh, one of the, you know, like a, um, one of the things that you pull in, that you give them uh, medicine with, you know, the little sucker things. Syringe. Yeah, like, yeah, I'll give him a syringe, not with the needle, obviously, (laughs) or something, you know, like a diaper tape that we're never going to use any, you know, any random thing in there. And he just loves playing with it. And he almost like expects it now, which I think some people would, would think that that is not a good thing, that he should be able to just lay there and obey, you know, without some kind of a tool why would I do that to myself? He's oh, only, yeah. Yeah. He's only a baby and he does him. Have, yeah. Like, right. Come on. Um, another couple real quick, um, ways that you can set your kids up for success is warning them about transitions. Uh, you know, five minute warning, just giving them a hand on the shoulder. Hey, we're about to leave or, Hey, we're going to have to do this now, uh, is, is, can be really, really helpful. Um, it makes me think of that, graphic or that little cartoon I forgot who shared it from the page the other day about how difficult it is when you're focused in on a task to pull away from it mm-hmm. and that you need to be kind of brought out of it slowly and so that that really helps um and having a predictable routine communicating it clearly and often ahead of time if it will be different 
and really, don't we all need this? Like, I know I do. I need serious routine in my day or I get completely crazy. And mm-hmm. I, one of my, um, my mentors growing up and even still, um, she is so organized in the way that she keeps her life in general. And I was asking her like, you know, how do you do this? Give me some of your tips and your tricks. Like, this is really crazy. This is, you know, it's just such a different, different way of living for me. And the thing that she told me was, I ha- I'm not an organized person. Not me, but she said that. Uh, which was like, wait a second. Yes, you are. I'm clearly looking at all of your various organizational tricks. And she said, no, I'm really not an organized person. And that's why I have to be so intentionally organized because Mm -hmm. otherwise my life is chaos. And I recognize that in myself. Yeah. Um, And for kids, that can be really true. When life is chaotic, it's just so difficult to keep your thoughts straight and to handle things emotionally. To to have a, a safe routine really helps you feel like there's something to grasp onto in your day. Right. You know, I think about that in my own life. I hate it when my husband and I miscommunicate and suddenly he has to go somewhere um, mm-hmm. and I wasn't expecting it. And now it's kind of thrown a wrench in my day and my plans and, you know, whatever I was planning to accomplish, or yeah. if I thought I had him to watch Evelyn or whatever. Um, and I think kids need to feel that same sense of security and knowing what their day will look like Yeah, and knowing far in advance, like you were saying, yeah. uh, if the routine will be different that day or that week. And, you know, a lot of this just really comes down to empathy. Yeah. Be honest. And what's funny though is that the more I've learned about this and the more I've tried to have empathy with Calvin, like the more this just completely bleeds into all of my other relationships mm-hmm. and things where before I would have, you know, been huffy if some if if someone had been upset with me for changing plans last minute. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, where I would have been like, wow you know, you, what can you expect? Blah, 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 blah. I make excuses for myself. You know, the more I learn about this, the more gracious I am with other people too. It's just, it really is just important to have empathy for people, including your kids. Yeah. I've been thinking about that too. And, you know, I think a lot of people come to gentle parenting, um, kind of expecting that because they're connecting and empathizing with their child, it will be a magical solution right. <laughs> to helping them through tantrums. It'll be what they've been looking for, the, you know, cure-all to their parenting woes. Right. Um, but it's just not. You know, we take all of these things into consideration. We take it, you know, we try to set them up for success. Uh, we try to empathize with them. Um, we fill our toolboxes, and we just prepare to parent the best that we can. But... At the end of the day, they're people. They're not equations. Um, There's not a perfect tit-for-tat matching tool for every situation that'll work every single time. Um, And, you know, I posted in our group recently that the reason that we gentle parent is because it's the right way to treat our kids. Um, We don't do it because it's the easy way out or because there's a perfect solution for every scenario, but because it's right. Right. Um, there's still going to be meltdowns in the checkout line at the grocery store. 
and there's still going to be sleep problems and mealtime problems and homeschooling problems. Mm -hmm. And we have tools to help us manage those things. Um, But at the end of the day, they are little people and there's no perfect way to handle relationships in life. Um, So I hope that we can provide some helpful solutions and tools um, to help you get relational wins with your kids. Um, But even if not, even if these solutions don't work perfectly or they only work 50% of the time or they only work with 50% efficacy, um, treating your children with respect and love and setting them up for success is always the right choice, even if it seems like harder or um, it doesn't meet your expectations. It's just always the right choice to treat them treat them with that, res- with that respect and set them up for success. Yeah. So I think that is the perfect place to wrap up, the perfect note to end on. So uh, thanks for listening and um, until next time. Thanks so much for listening to Tending Lambs. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please join our Facebook group, Tending Lambs Community Group. You can follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tendinglambs, and find the show notes page and lots of other gentle parenting resources at our website, tendinglambs.com. Until next time. It's not like as an adult, he's going to like need that for his diaper changes. <laughs> come on. <laughs> like, come on. Like, what harm is that doing? Yeah. Sorry. Well, as an adult. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Like, this is like a very temporary. We're going to have to cut this part out. Just... <laughs> this is ridiculous. Okay, moving on. <laughs>